All right, everybody, welcome to the Beantown Sports Podcast, your premier source for all things Boston sports from the perspective of three normal guys. Uh, we're going to be doing some notes on last year's season. We're going to be talking about this offseason for the Patriots and our pre- previews for next year's season and predictions. It's all right here. And these are my two good friends. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves, I think now would be a great time for that. All right, um, I'm Alex Caruso. I'm one of the co-hosts on the podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Will. I'm also a co-host. Uh, very excited to kick off this episode today. Absolutely. All right. Uh, in today's inaugural episode, we're going to take a look at the New England Patriots and break down their dismal end to the last season. We're going to recap how it looked out to be a promising campaign. We're going to discuss where they went wrong. We're also going to discuss their lackluster performance in the playoffs and how much Week 17 hurt their chances of regaining the throne on top. Uh, then we're going to take a look at the wildness of the offseason and how it's going to affect the Patriots moving forward. And finally, we're going to take a look at news and notes from around the league, as well as how the current climate is going to affect the 2020 season. So stick around on the Beantown Sports Pod, your premier Boston sports podcast. All right. So if you guys want to discuss, we can talk about uh, how the end of the season went, how last season uh, started very promising and then kind of trailed off pretty quickly. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, I remember opening night of uh, 2019 season, Pats played the Steelers Sunday night football, and everyone was – you know, just over the moon that, that we just signed Antonio Brown. We had Josh Gordon lining up. Pats, Brady's throwing deep balls to Gordon. Pats steamrolling the Steelers. Felt good. Felt good, man. It was it was definitely not a sign of things to come. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think after the first few weeks of this? After the first few weeks of the season, when the Pats have A. B. and Gordon lining up on either side of the field, along with Edelman. And all the other weapons that they had, you guys think we were going back to back? I thought I thought we were. I mean, I, I thought that. I mean, starting out in the season, we started out what eight eight and zero. And yeah. That, yes, we were beating teams that weren't the best, but it just looked like we were steamrolling. And I mean, you guys know as Boston sports fans, the Patriots only get better as the season goes on. We never start the season well and tail off. We always start slow and and pick up steam. And I really thought that we were going to be in for quite a magical run and towards the end of Brady's career. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I think think it's pretty important to talk about in the first, especially the first half of the season, just how dominant the defense was. And it was probably one of the best defenses that the Pats have ever had. You know, giving up, what, it was three points in the first two games and scoring 76. I mean, it's pretty incredible. It was a pretty good good start to the season. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't feel real. It felt like the Pats were – so I, I I completely forget the um was the bad team in Space Jam that was like stacked was the Mon- Monstars <laughs> Monstars yeah the the 2019 Patriots first few games felt like the Monstars that couldn't be stopped they they were a buzzsaw cutting through teams they honestly reminded me of 2015 when same exact situation you know the Pats were coming off Super Bowl win. And they start out the season, I think 2015, they were 10 and 0 start. And then Chris Harper just took a shotgun and just blew out their knees to end the season. But um, it was the same, same situation in, from my perspective, at least, where the Pats were doing great. Then they had a, a game Sunday night football. They went on the road. 2015, it was the Broncos. This year, it was the Ravens. They go into a hostile environment and they just get absolutely blown away and that Ravens game like will haunt me to the day I die because you you got this historic defense that has given up like 70 points through eight games and then you know Lamar Jackson just absolutely clowning on them and running around the field like it's not like it's a seventh grade peewee football game yeah I think you can probably say that that Ravens game probably well I mean it was probably the first real tough opponent that the Pats had last season. You know, I, I guess you could argue the Steelers, but they're nothing like they used to be. But um, 
Yeah, I, I think you could probably say that that Ravens game was kind of the, even though it didn't look like it at the time, it was probably the beginning of the, of the end of their season a little bit. Yeah, definitely, but for sure. But here's the thing. So my opinion, you're watching the Ravens game, right? And Pats are down, what was it? It was like 17, 17 to nothing, I think. 17 to nothing or 20 to nothing or something like that. 17 to nothing. 17's it. And Pats, things start going our way. Pats make it 17-13 at halftime, I think. And that was with them not being able to convert the end of the half. They couldn't get a touchdown. They, they got held the field goals. Our red zone offense was piss poor last year, from what I recall. And from my opinion, Pats got the ball stuck second half. Brady's cutting the defense apart. They're, they're going down the field. This was the only game that I ever remember Mohamed Sanu having a, a meaningful impact on the Patriots when he's played for us, ever. And we're going, we're marching down the field left and right. And I think it was, I think it was, I don't know what the score was. I think it was, fuck me, dude. I don't remember. But anyways, that Edelman fumble that got returned for a touchdown changed the entire game. And if he doesn't fumble that ball, Pats are winning that game. It's a whole different momentum because not only was that a, a big turning point with our first loss of the season, that was going right into the bye week. We had all this momentum, 8-0 and going into the bye week, and then we have a crushing loss like that, which I think really changed the trajectory of the team going into the bye week and, and coming out of it into the back half of the season. Yeah, you know, coming out of the bye week, we go we go 2-0 and against Philly and Dallas. Pretty pretty good wins, I would say. Uh pretty kind of low scoring for how we were playing before. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that was probably a, a, a good way for the Pats to come out of the bye week. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, so to, to me, I think that the Eagles and the Cowboys games was the start of the narrative that the Pats offense couldn't move the ball. And I, it's you're completely right in saying that. I mean, you take a look at their stretch run down the end of the season the eagles they put up 17 cowboys was 13 i mean granted that was a a rainstorm the entire game but texans they scored 22 but that was basically all garbage time chiefs they had 16 bengals who are what like 1 and 12 going into that game they scored 34 bills 24 dolphins 24 and then we all know what happened against the titans but you look at the first half of the season, Pat's offense is putting up a ton of points. And they were definitely being help, helped on the d- defensive side of the ball because I remember it seemed almost every game we had a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown or even a block punt. But the after the Ravens game, and the, Ra- the Ravens were a top five defense last year, and Brady was just, after the first quarter, the Pat's offense was clicking on like all centimi- on clicking on all cylinders. I mean, we, they were driving up and down the field. They just couldn't score touchdowns, and that's really what killed them. I mean, so it was 24-20 it was Ravens, and then I think that's when Edelman fumbled the ball. And so it was 31-20, and then from there on out, it was just – it was a wrap. But I don't know. What do you guys think? After, what, what do you, let's talk about the um, – let's talk about more the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I think that um, that Kansas City game, everybody was kind of looking at to uh, see if that was going to be the the game that decides the one seed in the in the uh, in the AFC. And you know, um, I don't think a lot of people probably didn't think Baltimore was going to be uh, on top. But uh, I mean, I was especially in the beginning of the season, I was looking at that Kansas City game, just saying like that's going to be, and it was last year too. It it kind of uh, it turned how the uh, how the season was going to end, but um, I remember that that game just had a lot of um, just a weird game. You know, they had um, I mean I don't know if you guys remember, but the with the Chiefs forgetting all of their all their gear gone missing in New York. Oh yeah, yeah that was, man, that was a bizarre story. Yeah, they almost didn't play because they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and then I just remember in the in the second half how um, we had t- I think two or three touchdowns that were called back. One we got 
called out of bounds on the toe was probably four or five inches inside the line. It was just a just a weird game. Yeah, that was brutal to watch. And then there was the, and I'm not mistaken, there was the fumble that Gilmore put, picked up, and he was running it back, and that would have been a touchdown too, and they, they blew it dead. I think Kelsey yeah. fumbled. So that was just brutal. And the week before that, when they the, when they won the road against Houston, I mean, the Texans and the Patriots have a long history of playing each other, and the Pats just absolutely like slapped them around the field, especially at Gillette. But this one was on the road. And I don't, I don't remember the last time that we've lost to the Texans before this game. So it was definitely a huge shock for the Texans to basically thoroughly dominate the game. And I think it was 28 to nine at one point. And then, you know, Brady and the Pats offense put up two quick touchdowns. I think they got an onside kick, scored a touchdown, and then they did another onside kick. And that's when Brandon Bolden was like, this like it, it went off his fingers and went out of bounds. He was this close to grabbing it. And I mean, that's a that's definitely a moment I think back to a lot. If he grabs that ball and the pat and Brady does his thing, goes down the field and, and wins the game for them, they're sitting at eleven and one going into the Chiefs game. And instead of coming off a big upset, they're coming in with all the momentum in the world. They got this huge comeback win on the road. They got Chiefs at home where they've been so dominant with Brady and Belichick. But instead, they pissed away at the end of that game. And then, like you said, the Chiefs game was just bizarre. There was a lot of things that, I mean, and it goes back to what I said earlier about the red zone offense. If you look at the end of the Chiefs game where, yeah, like they, they, they had a lot of stuff called back. But at the end of the day, they were still in the position to tie the game. And I think they had four tries in the five-yard line. They just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. Not only that, though, but like, I mean, if any team that played the Chiefs last year put up points, like you would, no one would look at them and say that's a great defense. And if you look through the scores, that was our second lowest scoring total of the entire year. We only scored 16 points, and some might say it's the refs or the red zone offense, whatever it was. But I don't think anyone expected us to only put up 16 points against that that team and be our, our third lowest actually scoring total of the the season if you count the playoffs. And I think that. That was shocking, and I think that kind of sent us towards a uh, little bit of a downward spiral. Maybe not a downward spiral, but maybe not the same confidence that we had. Because like Will was saying earlier, like that was a pivotal game. You win that game, and we have so much more confidence going into the rest of the season. And I think losing that really started to have both the Patriots and the fans start to, to question if we could really take them down in the, in the playoffs again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for- and- and that's that. Um, that's what kind of gave them. I mean, the door was sh- the door was shut on the Chiefs being like a, uh, getting a first round bye last year until that game. I mean, if the Pats win that game, there's n- no chance that the Chiefs are gonna get first round bye, which really drove them to the Super Bowl. I mean, we come into that game, the Pats are ten and two, and the Chiefs are eight and four. So there's four games left. Chiefs got to make up two games, and even if they're tied, then they got to have the head-to-head. So this was a must-win for them. And, I mean, they played like it. They came in, they took a commanding first-half lead, never never gave it up. But if you look at this game and their AFC Championship game, it's kind of a reverse of what how the Pats have dealt with Mahomes beforehand. I mean, in the first half of the 2018 game and then the AFC Championship game, the Pats got out to an early lead. They contained the offense, and they, they did really well. And But 2019, I mean, it was a theme throughout the year that they had to play from behind, and they're down 20-7 to 7 to the Chiefs at halftime, which is just the complete opposite from the AFC Championship game. So that was kind of interesting to me. And it just it's tough when you have this week of an offense, and you, your only person Brady's really throwing to is Edelman and James White. Who else is he throwing to, man? Sanu drops every pass that's thrown his way. Nikhil Harry doesn't have really any rapport with Brady yet, and it was just, it was tough to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think yeah, it was just it was just just kind of it, it was it was hard it was hard to watch. Um, you guys want to move on to week sixteen or week fifteen through seventeen? 
kind of talk about how those uh, games against Cincinnati, Buffalo, and then that tough Miami game. Yeah. That uh, probably that was kind of the nail in the coffin that Week 17 game. Yeah, for sure. So, Alex, um, what what was your what was your where what was your headspace at after we beat the Bills? And uh, it was a great game. I remember it's an awesome awesome game. Pats win 24-17. What are you thinking after that game? Well, I mean, like, going off what you said, that was just a classic game where the division rival really takes us down to the wire, but we always come out on top. And then going into that, we know that if the Patriots just beat the Dolphins, which at that point felt like a foregone conclusion, I, I thought we felt like we were going to – and we were going to get the, the two-seed in the playoffs and we would have had a first-round bye. And I don't think anyone was thinking twice that we could lose to the Dolphins. And At home. At, at, at home. home especially. And I think – there yeah. might be some people out there that said I called the game because Belichick doesn't do as well against former coaches like playing Brian Flores, but I don't think anyone expected Ryan Fitzpatrick to light up the Patriots' defense, and I think that really set the tone for what the playoffs could have looked like, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Bills game was just such a great game. I mean, they've been up and coming for a while. They made the playoffs last year. They um they got Josh Allen. They got a great like young team. Their, their defense is awesome. They just traded for Stephon Diggs this off season, so that should be even more interesting in the upcoming season. But I mean, they come into they come into Foxborough. They're playing super confident football, and the Pats. You know, they're the Pats. Like Brady finds a way. Edelman was hurt that game. I remember came back, made a few huge receptions. They they have a late touchdown drive, take the lead, and then. They have a defensive stand to, to win the game. And after that game, my my confidence is all the way back. I mean, we, we beat Miami at home, and we got the two seed in the AFC, which isn't too bad. Then we're going – we're probably going to get Kansas City at home in the divisional round, which is a tough matchup. But like we just talked about, I mean, there were so many chances for them to beat them in the regular season. So I was pretty confident that we could get it done in the playoffs. And – you know, then we just we go to Miami and the, and the Pats open up as seventeen and a half point favorites, and somehow Fitz Magic, you know, like you got to give him the respect he deserves. He figured it out somehow. Yeah, I mean, actually, to to segue into that, I mean, let's talk about. We can start with you, Will, about just the playoff game. I mean, going into it, what you were thinking after Week Sixteen, and knowing that, I mean, if this this could be one of our last runs with with Brady considering the whole season I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on what your mindset was and how you felt like watching that that whole playoff game in itself as hard as it was for all of us yeah yeah um so I mean just coming into that it was already weird because I mean Pat's very very rarely ever play a wild card game I don't know exactly how long it was. I think it was maybe nine or ten years. Yeah, first round by two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ten years, but uh, yeah, you know, it was just it was just kind of a weird vibe coming into it. And I mean, I wouldn't have predicted the Pats to lose to the Titans, but I mean, you definitely could have seen it as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of saw. I mean. After week 16, there's no way in hell that you, you're you predicting the Patriots to lose to the Titans in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill at, at QB. But after week 17, it was just so incredibly shocking to see how just not even uh, like how just weak their offense was as well as their defense. They're, I mean, Gilmore was their bet, pro, arguably the Patriots' best player last year. I mean, he was defensive player of the year and he was – Lockdown corner all year, and then he lets Devonte Parker of all people put up 137 yards on him, and can't even get a stop when it matters in the fourth quarter when they're driving down the field. But I mean, going into that game, it's just a regular Sunday for for me and all all my buddies that were watching. I was watching the game with. We did not. We thought there was a snowball's chance in hell that the Dolphins could after. We beat them 43 to nothing earlier in the year. So the fact that they could come into Gillette and beat the Patriots in what in what is basically a meaningless game for them but means everything in the world for the Pats was just laughable. But I think this game really showed Belichick's lack of faith in Brady and the offense because 
don't know if you guys remember, but at the end of the first half, I think it was the Dolphins were up 10 to nothing at one point. Pats tied up 10-10. Pats get the ball back with about a minute and 50 on the clock. And I, I believe they had a few timeouts. And for some reason, they just ran three three like draws right up the middle to White or Michelle yeah. or whoever. Ran off the clock. Yeah, ran off the clock, went right into halftime with the game tied. And that, to me, was very indicative of the entire season as a whole. I mean, that's just so unlike the Patriots. I mean, the, the McDaniels t- preaches all the time about, like, the double score. Like, you want to score a touchdown right before halftime, and you get the ball out. You defer before the game, get the ball after halftime, score again. And that just breaks the will of your opponent. But here Belichick is just pissing away the opportunity to do that. So that, to me, spoke volumes about his lack of confidence in the team last year. Do you guys think that that um... – if the Pats win that game, because I think I think you probably say if the Pats win that game, I mean they they have the two seed, they got the bye, and then you uh, you probably getting uh, probably getting Kansas City at home in the divisional round. But do you think if they win that game, do you think Brady stays, or do you think it had nothing to do with that? I don't think it had anything to do with that. I I think that the only thing that could have kept Brady here is if the Pats managed to win the Super Bowl. And I, I just I don't I don't see how he could go back to back with the with the same team and then manage to walk away in free agency. And I think it would definitely make it a lot harder, as hard as it was for the fan base to even accept the fact that Brady was gonna leave, it would have been infinitely more difficult for us to accept it if he had just won back to back championships. Yeah, and I think going going off of that, um, I don't know if you guys have listened to it or anyone listening has heard this, but um, Tom Brady went on a, the Howard Stern, um, his podcast or his show, to just kind of talk about everything. And Brady said on that show that he kind of knew before the season that he was going to move on. And there really wasn't anything that was going to, to keep him there, unfortunately. And he said that, that it had, didn't have anything to do with the Patriots or the organization. And that could just be Brady speak trying to be nice about things because he's never going to shit on the organization of the Patriots. But he just said that after 20 years, it's just time to try something new. Didn't have anything to do, but he just wanted to keep accomplishing other goals he had and just to try something new after so long. But I, I think that he can say that, but I think there's also some truth to like what you said, that if he wins a Super Bowl, why not run it back again? What else yeah. do you have to go out and chase if this is the best place where you can rent a, win a ring when this is the best sure. you can do it? For sure. And building off what Alex just said, I, I, I'm not confident in what the Patriots' future would, would have had if we did get that first round by, but I am confident that I the Chiefs would not have won the Super Bowl if – if the Patriots were the number two seed, I don't think the Chiefs are coming away with a title last year because Chiefs would have been the three seed. They would have been facing the Titans in the wild card, if I'm in the wild card round, if I'm not mistaken, instead of us. And that's already a tough enough game. We saw we saw the Chiefs beat the Titans in the AFC Championship game, so Chiefs might Chiefs probably would have pulled away with that game. But then they're going on the road against the Pats and Gillette. Even if they manage to beat us again, then they got to go on the road to Baltimore. And that, I think that just takes a lot more out of the team than staying at home, beating the Texans, and then beating the Titans. You know what I mean? You're facing three juggernauts, one of them at home, and then you're going on the road twice before you even get to the Super Bowl. So the, the real winners of the Pats losing to the Dolphins was the Chiefs, and anybody who's a football fan knows that. But it is very mind-blowing to just look at their path to the two seed and how it even happened. Because I remember 10 games into the season, the Chiefs were six, six and four and them making the playoffs wasn't even a foregone conclusion. I mean, they, they had no guarantee to even win their division, but they rattled off six wins to finish the season. And then they had their magical playoff run. So congrats to them. I mean, I, Mahomes is amazing to watch. I think going into that week 17 game, I think I remember saying it was like Pats had like a 96% chance or something to keep that number two seed and get that first round by. Mm. And it's just kind of, it's kind of crazy to see the, the Dolphins of all teams uh, beat the, beat the Pats in that week 17. But 
I mean, looking looking back on that week 17 historically, I mean, that's never really been our strongest game because that up until I think two years ago, that week 17 is always in Miami. Yeah. And at, and at that point, the uh, the Pats usually already have the first round by clinch, so they're not uh, – I don't know if you want to say that their their game plan wasn't sustainable for the uh, for that game, but I don't know, just some some interesting. I think. Yeah, they're um, going back to what I said earlier about kind of seeing uh, a lot of similarities between 2015 and 2019 at the past seasons. I mean, they both years they start out eight and zero, both years they end up twelve and four. And 2015, they did get they did get the first round by, but they also had a Week 17 game against Miami in Miami that they just it was horrible to watch, and that's what made them lose the one seed. Eventually, they had to go to Denver, and they fell short in the championship game that year. But it it, it comes back to like what I was saying about this year, just the Week 17 games against Miami. It's something about Miami, and it used to just be going to Miami. Because I remember there was a lot of speculation in week two last year that the Pats were going to struggle against the Dolphins because it was in Miami. And then we beat them by 43 and 43 zip. And everyone was like, all right, well, week 17 is in New England. It's not a big deal. Because if you look at Brady and Edelman playing on the same field at Gillette, especially during the regular season, they were something like, I think, I, I want to say they were 56-0 before the Chiefs game at, the, at Gillette when they both play it, which is just mind-blowing. Like, it just it, it's mind-numbing to even think about that stat. But Well, hadn't they gone, hadn't they gone like, it was like 18 games or something unbeaten at Gillette? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was like two and a half, almost, yeah, two, two seasons, two full seasons at home unbeaten. Yeah, you're right. It was just, yeah, man, it, it was the end of the season last year. I mean, those two losses at home really are what, just grinds my gears. I mean, in every game you can look, they, they none of the games were really blowouts either. They were all right there. The end of the game, the Chiefs-Dolphins game, they lost in the last minute or last 30 seconds even. The Ravens game, you can argue was a blowout, but they were right there in the second half and Edelman's fumble changed everything. And the Texans game, they the Texans get, let their foot off the gas pedal, and if the Pats get that onside kick, then that would have been one of Brady's best comebacks of all time. Absolutely, and I think like like you said, every game that we had, we felt like we were in it at some point. I mean, that, that sure. goes along with who the Patriots are, but even with the Ravens game, every other game was within one score, even even no matter what the outlook looked like at the end of the game, and the Ravens. Like you said, if anyone that watched that game knew it wasn't a blowout, and like you said, Edelman changed the game. But another thing I wanted to ask is going back to the Week 17 in Miami, and I'd just like to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Like, how does this compare to losing to Miami last year in the Miami Miracle? Like in the I was at that game. I was at that game. You know you're going to win. You know you're going to win. It's a foregone conclusion, whether it's going into the game this year or going into that last play last year, but – just they find a way to, to beat us every time. And just I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on how that feels comparable. If, if, if it does, it might not. I mean, I mean, just coming from coming from living and growing up in South Florida, um, I was never a Dolphins fan, despise the Dolphins. But just I went to those uh, Pats Dolphins late season games uh, five or six years in a row. I only saw them win once, I think once or twice. Um, and you know, just just the the whole atmosphere at those at that uh, Hard Rock Stadium down there, it's like it's like their Super Bowl every year is when the Pats come to town. And um, as much as the Pats fans, I would say, despise the Dolphins, it, it's it's tenfold the other way. I mean, they just uh, they just yeah, it, it's just it's always a tough game when you go down there. Yeah, for sure, and I, that I mean, I think that goes for nearly every team in the NFL, or at bare minimum, AFC East. Um, the past twenty years, I mean, you you play the Pats, it's your Super Bowl, whether you're two and two and twelve or 
whether you're six and six or you're fighting for a playoff spot, if you beat the Pats, then you hold that like it's a Lombardi trophy. And you can look at that with the Miami Miracle in 2018 and that game against the Steelers where the Steelers ended up beating us for the first time what felt like forever. And they their fans talk so much shit. At the end of the day, Steelers don't even make the playoffs and the Pats bring home another Super Bowl trophy. So and to answer your question, Alex, the Miami Miracle definitely – doesn't hurt at ne- nearly as badly as the week 17 last year because we ended up winning it all that year so to me i i can watch videos of it and not get too bothered about it but at at the at the time i was definitely beyond heated it it was one of the most frustrating sports moments i've ever seen gronk just like ep- like just gronk tripping and flailing and trying to make a tackle it was just, fucking pathetic and it was it was awful to watch i don't even know why they had him back there on that play yeah i think i think belichick probably thought they were going long but i mean that was that was ryan Tannehill on a busted up leg yeah exactly he's, he's, not, he's not throwing it 75 yards down the field yeah and yeah exactly they, they they had, out, some speed guys down there yeah for sure they had the ball in like the 30 i think i was like dude yeah. brady can't even throw it 70 yards like Tannehill's not making it to the end zone. They're going to have to do, like, a trick play or something. But, yeah, that game was brutal. But I just think Week 17 is so much worse because, it, oh, man, it was it was awful. It, because that – the we still ended up getting a first-round bye that year. I mean, it, it, it was a tough game to watch, but it was in Miami. You know what I mean? And like we've, like we've mentioned, we always struggle in Miami – kind of expected a dog fight like you knew it was going to happen but uh, this year is just it was completely different i mean we blow them out in miami and we're kind of expecting them to just keel over and let us roll roll to the two seed and instead they fitzpatrick takes it upon himself to just have the game of his life and um put up 27 points on what was supposed to be one of the best defenses of all time yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You guys, uh, you guys want to move on to maybe the off season and how it looks for the Pats going forward. Yeah, definitely. What? Let's hear. Uh, let's hear your thoughts about Cam Newton, the Cam Newton signing, because then he's been the talk of the town for the past few weeks. Yeah, I I absolutely love it. I I was reading an article um, just yesterday that was talking about how we we've, we've had different big players that we signed that used to be great and not. And one of the correlations was that two it's once they're two years removed from being their their best self or where they normally used to be is that's when they played their best. Like Randy Moss had two seasons that were not so great before he came here in 2007 for the bare minimum. And I think Cam Newton's a similar where he had a solid season um, in 2018 until he hurt his shoulder and it was all downhill from there. And then last year he lasted two games before he got hurt. And I just think that judging by what he's posting on social media and general talk around the league, I mean, I think he still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, he's only 31, and Brady's still producing at 42 going on to 43. No, Cam Newton is not Tom Brady or even close to it. But I think he's a guy that still has a lot of juice left in the tank. And, like, the last last thing I wanted to mention is that Bill Belichick once said that Cam Newton is the biggest threat in the league whenever they play him. And, like, knowing how big of a threat Cam Newton is and then knowing how Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels might want to unleash him, I think that's that's pretty scary, especially with this defense. And I think if, if Cam Newton just plays averagely, I think it's we're in for a, a good season. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome for us if he plays. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Cam Newton did a little – little sit-down interview kind of thing. There was uh, – it was him and Odell and I think uh, – to Victor Cruz, I think. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, they did a little little roundtable kind of interview thing, and Cam was talking about. Um, well, I think first to mention it's uh it's going to be important how Cam and the Pats and Belichick how they can kind of mesh together and blend together, because Cam is such a he's such a character, and um, yeah, that's not something that the the Pats are really known for for having their, their players with big, big characters and big attitudes. But um, I think that's, that's going to be interesting, but just talking on that in that interview he was giving, he was saying how 
um, when he got hurt, he and he went to rehab at the facility. It was all he was kind of treated like a king when he first came in to rehab his uh, his injury and things like that. But um, when they started winning, when they started winning games without him, they just kind of treated him like a kind of like a normal player. And I mean, that kind of he, he said that he was he was happy for he was happy for the team that they were still winning without him. But that I mean, that just kind of shows the mentality of him, I think, a little bit. Yeah, but so here's the thing about him. I don't know if I didn't see the interview or anything, so I don't know if he was wanted to be treated like a king or or he wanted preferential treatment because he was like the man and he was the quarterback and everything. But I mean, I he can't really expect that in New England because I, I mean I'm sure Brady got preferential treatment from some guys on on the staff to a certain extent, but not from Belichick. You know what I mean? Like he would he scream at Brady, like tell him that he's gonna get like Johnny Football from Foxborough High and have him play the quarterback position instead of the greatest guy to ever like step foot on a football field, in my opinion. So if if he's gonna expect like preferential treatment from Belichick he's got another thing coming because I mean this this guy's been around the block he, he's coached for like something like 40 years he's got seven Super Bowl rings and he I just don't think he cares about egos or anything like that you know what I mean yeah that's what I'm saying it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be interesting to see especially in the just given like how how different this season's already gonna end up end up being if they play at all but um i mean just i think i think we'll probably find out in the first i i heard they're not even playing preseason games but um the i think we'll probably find out in the first few weeks if if cam's here to stay or if it's just a just a one-year experiment yeah absolutely and i think the other the other thing that i wanted to just kind of point out and i could be wrong because i mean we've seen cam newton we know he has a big personality but in the videos and the social media posts that he's did, one of the things he, he said over and over is that, I mean, it's not about money and it's about respect. And I think if, if he's willing to come here, I think he knows that he's going to have to earn his gold stripes from not only the Patriots and Belichick to show him that he can like go with the Patriot way, but for the whole league to put the whole league on notice. And yes, the I think the Patriots were the only team that offered him a contract, but I don't think he would have signed with us if he didn't think that he could fit in here. Yeah, I mean, for a former uh, MVP, half a million guaranteed is is kind of it's it's kind of pathetic. But it, it it might it might show a show a change in his attitude that he's willing to take willing to take less money just to just to be able to play and prove himself again. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, outside of Cam Newton, I think some of the biggest moves that the Pats have made or lack of moves that the Pats have made this offseason is definitely on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you look at their their defense last year was just incredibly stacked and it, I, it's still I, still I think going to be a top tier defense and definitely going to be tough to put points up on again, but they lost Collins to the Lions, they lost Van Noy to the Dolphins, they lost I think they traded Deron Harmon too to the Lions as well. I think. I mean, I don't know why the like the Lions and the Dolphins and all these former Pats coaches are so obsessed with getting expatriate players, but it's an interesting strategy, to say the least. Hasn't really worked for Matt Patricia yet, but I guess we'll just wait, wait and see, man. Yeah, I mean the the, the Lions right now are like the Patriots light. With the, with the players they have and, and all that. So that'll be interesting to see. But I mm. one thing to, to move on to, if I can't – actually, before that, um, what do you guys think Jared Stidham's chances are at potentially starting still, even in wake of the Cam Newton signing? Or what are the chances that – going off of that two-part question for both of you, what are the chances that you think that Cam Newton plays all 16 games as the starter because of how he's playing or because of injury? And I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I think without without injury, I would give Cam probably an eighty percent chance of playing all sixteen, because I just think his his experience level and I mean his pure talent. When you see him, I mean he was it back in twenty, what was his dominant year? Twenty fifteen. Fifteen. I mean he was just killing every team with his arm and his legs. So I mean, when he's at the top, he he's definitely a top top. 
eight, maybe top top five QB in the league. And I think if we can if we can capture a little bit of that a little bit of that magic from before, I think I would give him a good shot of playing the whole season. Apologize for anybody who just happened to hear those technical difficulties, but I think we got them sorted out now. I'm not sure if you guys heard that, but um, I think that Jarrett Stidham and Cam Newton shouldn't have 50-50 chance to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I I genuinely don't see what the problem is with starting Stidham if he's better than Newton. I think it should be. 100%, and th- this has been Belichick's way since the beginning of time. I mean, you're, you're going to get your playing time based off merit. So, and I, if anything, if Stidham is a little bit below Newton, I would still want Stidham to start because he's 24, I think, 24, 25, around there. He's definitely a lot younger and less experienced than Newton, but I feel like he has better potential. And if you got a good offensive line in front of either of these quarterbacks, I think they're going to be decent. I mean, I just hope that they have weapons to throw to because, I mean, Edelman is getting up there in age. He still had a great season last year. But hopefully Nikhil Harry has a breakout season, bounces back from a tough rookie year. But um, Mohamed Sanu was atrocious last year, but he did play through an injury. So we're hoping to see him actually – I don't know, provide to the team in some capacity. But I, I'm looking at it right now, and Cam Newton's odds to start week one of the of the 2020 season for the Pats is minus 500. So the the bookkeepers are definitely favoring Cam to start the season for the Pats. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to see – if it was a normal season with, with no COVID-19, it would definitely be an extremely interesting quarterback battle throughout the preseason and training camp. It'd be really cool to watch, but I don't know how it's going to develop with the coronavirus fucking everything up. So I'm just out over here hoping that they have a season yeah. at all. Totally agree. Do you think, do you guys think that it would be a good thing? Like even if Jared Stidham's a little below, I mean, for me, my preference would be that just give Cam a little more chance to start and just give Jared Stidham just a little bit more time to learn under. Like I'm, But if, if Jared Stidham's the better player right now, I'm all for him starting. But I think if he's not there yet, I think learning under someone like Newton, even if there are different types of quarterbacks, just learning from someone like that and giving him more time to develop could be really beneficial for the long run rather than trying to throw him in the fire too quick. Yeah, yeah but, here, but here's the thing. He already learned under the best quarterback who's ever going to play the game. So how much more is he really going to learn? You know what I mean? That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see that that um, the relationship between the two because if they can, I think I think that they probably. I mean, just having Newton's going to make Stidham better. It's definitely going to elevate his game. But I think um, that's going to be yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how um, how they can how they can gel and maybe. Maybe even if they, because I've heard people say that maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a, a playbook where Stidham plays some plays, and then there's plays designed specifically for Cam Newton. So you know, maybe maybe they'll play, maybe they'll play both of them, or maybe they'll. I don't I don't know how it's going to work, but um, I hope they don't do that. It's going to be interesting. I hate I hate when I don't know, man. I I think that would like, I don't know. I just don't. I hate well. I hate that idea. Yeah, I don't think it would go well. I just don't think that's the like how the Patriots are ever going to operate. You know what I mean? Or not at least under Belichick. I'm sure McDaniel's would love something like that, though. It would definitely be interesting to watch for sure. Well, but it, I, I, I mean, there's already a crazy off season, so if it, if might as well adopt something new if we're going to make some changes. Yeah, it's that's true. Work. You got a point there. Yeah, this would be the time to do it. For sure. Absolutely. Do you guys oh, but go ahead. Go ahead. The um anyways, the either way for the Pats to one win. I mean, you're bringing in Cam on a, an insanely cheap bargain and I've never I've never been the biggest Cam fan, but anytime that you can get a former MVP for that cheap of a salary, I mean, you have to do it. You have to. So I love the move. I think if 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 Stidham beats him out in training camp and proves that he's like better, Awesome, perfect. We hopefully we have a future franchise quarterback. If not, then I guess Cam's gonna have to 
uh, what's the word, um, bridge the gap until we find our guy. You know what I mean? Because I don't, I personally don't think Cam has any more than a few years left in him. But I, I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. So, what would be your, uh, let's go around, what would be your prediction for how long Cam stays with the Pats? Mm, I mean, he signed a one year deal, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'd say one year's one year. One year? Yeah, I, I think either he's a bust and doesn't do well for us, and um, he, you know, we release him and maybe finds a backup job somewhere else, or he does really well for us, and he's he's basically playing for his career right now. He's playing for his career, and if he does really well, then he's going to get rewarded with a payday by some other team. I just don't see it being the Pats. Unless I, maybe he meshes well here. I don't know. I just I, – I don't know. I never pictured Cam Newton wearing a Patriot jersey, but it's very surreal now that we're at this stage. Brady's in Tampa. We have Cam shooting up for us. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I'm excited for it. For sure. I think, I, I think that Cam's going to play two years for us. I think that this year I, I have confidence that he's going to come in, and I think he's going to play well for us. And I think that because we have the ability to franchise tag him, I think we'll franchise tag him this year for a good number. And if he puts up, no matter what, I think he'll be gone because he'll get a bigger payday somewhere else for the third year. But that's that's just me. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I forgot about the um, franchise tag. Completely forgot about that. If he if he does have a, a renaissance season and he plays well for us, then you're right. I don't, I don't see the harm in giving him a franchise tag, uh, cheap on the salary cap again, and then – He'd probably, I'm sure, he'd walk after that year to, to get a big payday. But what do you guys think about um, the the retirement of Skarnakia? What do you guys think that means for our offensive line? Uh, I don't mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, yes, I mean he's regarded as probably potentially the greatest offensive line coach of all time, which is something in itself. But I think that just like you talked about with Brady and like him teaching Stidham. I think someone like Scar is going to teach all the guys that are under him some of his best tricks and some of the stuff they learned. Because I'm sure the guys that are under him have been under him for a couple of years and learning from him or Belichick. And I think that, yes, it's a downgrade. Anytime you lose a guy like that, it's a downgrade. But I think that he's setting those guys up for success just by being there and them getting to learn under him, just like you getting to learn under any great mentor. Didn't yeah, Skarnecki already came out of retirement once, right? Yeah. In 2017 to coach the that game against – or not the game, but the season where they won against the Falcons. But um, – Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously times are changing, so um, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Pats adapt to it. Yeah, man. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, but 2015 was like – it was brutal watching the like. I mean, that offensive line was god awful. Turnstile. It was, it was turnstiles, baby. It was <laughs> awful. It it was like an entire line of five Marshall Newhouses. It was god awful. <laughs> it, it, it was painful to watch, man. Brady was running for his life every single time he dropped back in the championship game against Denver. I mean, granted, they have Von Miller and a lot of other great pass rushers, but dude, it was horrible. I mean, this guy's like. It was awful, and I just got a uh, notification from my dad sending me a Cam Newton Instagram post. So shout out my dad, shout out Cam Newton's Instagram posts. They, I, I, what do you guys think about them? Because they kind of pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie to you. Your dad? No, no. The um, <laughs> his his workout posts where he he's like, I'm getting tired of the disrespect, like. I like blah, 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 like I'm tired of being humble. I'm like, listen, Cam, like I want more than anybody for you to win us a Super Bowl. That's all I want in the world. I would like you to come here, throw 60 touchdown passes, run for 20, 16-0, the whole shebang. All right, man? But you played two games last year, man, and I'm pretty sure you were 0-2 in those games. So, and that's not to say quarterback record isn't everything, but it's something, and – his stats as a passer have never been great, and his game has always been complemented by his mobility. So I don't know. I think it's really interesting to see him come into here, into a scheme that isn't really – it's not RPO or anything like the Ravens got going on over there. So I think he's going to have to adjust, and I 
understand why people aren't putting respect on his name. I mean, I understand he was an MVP, but all these black and white workout videos are really just starting to bug me. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys I like think? It. I mean, well, I don't know about you, and I mean, I'd like to hear what you think, but I, I mean, I think it, it fires me up, but I think it also just like Brady still now trying to put a chip on his own shoulder. And I think that's going to put a like cam is putting a chip on his own shoulder to really prove to people. And I think he, he posts a little bit too much about it. And I think some of it's unnecessary, but if he's going to post that and that means he's going to give his heart and soul and everything that we have from him, I'll take it. You can post every day if he wants, like if he's going to come and back it up, I mean, I think that him posting means that he feels like he has something to prove. And not only that, he feels like he can do it which, I mean, most people are going to believe in it, but I think that it's a good thing for us rather than him not saying anything and like, oh, well, I guess we'll see. You know what I mean? I don't know if you think yeah. we'll. I just think – I hope it I hope it doesn't mean that he's going to crash harder if this experiment doesn't work out. He's kind of just setting himself up to pretty much only succeed right now. Yeah, if, for sure. If, if he doesn't, then it's just it – looks, it looks much worse. And – I like Liam was saying earlier how he's kind of playing for his career right now. And he, he kind of, uh, it's kind of make or break for him. So I, I'm hoping that he lives up to the, uh, to the hype he's putting out. Yeah, man, Cam, if you're listening to this boss, I want, I want nothing but the best for you. All right. I, I don't, I don't want this to be twisted into Boston sports media is, uh, taking shots at their players once more. But, um, yeah, man, I would love I, – I want him to do – I wish – I hope that he's awesome. I hope that he makes the Pro Bowl, all pro. I hope he's electric on the field. But I am slightly pessimistic pessimistic about it. I mean, I was full on boat, like ready for the Stidham era. And now the signing came out of nowhere. And I'm excited for it for sure. But I just I, – I want to see them play. You know what I mean? Like I, I need to see them play before I can even – have any like in-depth discussion about it i guess even though we've just been talking about it for the past 15 minutes yeah um we're kind of we're almost pushing 55 minutes right now so if you guys want to we can maybe talk about uh like some some notes from around the league yeah um, i mean I, I wanted to talk about the mahomes contract really quick if anybody wants to touch on that yeah it sounds good i i, I absolutely do i think that as much as some people might not think so, I think that contract was beyond smart for the Chiefs, and I hate saying that because I absolutely do not want them to be to be good. I think in the short term, I think it might be hard for them. I think once they're in another couple of years when they they can't pay all their core, but I think the, the NFL is a league that's just going to boom, even after it has been and coronavirus stops that. But I think the, the more, the higher the salary cap gets, I think the better his contract is going to look. And yes, like no quarterback has ever, ever won a Super Bowl with more than 13% of the cap and Mahomes getting paid 22 right now. I think that when this, every time the salary cap goes up, it's going to make it that much easier for them to, to be able to win. And I think that the deal, the deal is smart for both sides at the end of the day. And it's better, it's better for them to give him a longer term deal rather than going like five years and giving him even more money and constantly taking up 20% of the salary cap rather than having a lower cap hit in the next seven or eight years, rather. That's that contract. It was, it was, it was like a, it's a 10 year contract, but he's still under their tag for another two years. So it's really a 12 year deal that he's signed under the, the chiefs for. So, I mean, he, he's basically just signed away if not, if not his whole career, but his the the bulk of his career to one team. Yeah, it was um like Alex said. I mean, I think it was definitely a necessary evil for the Chiefs organization. It's anytime you're giving a player north of half a billion dollars, that's absolutely brutal. And I mean, I say that as if it's a normal thing. It's not. I think he's the first athlete in. North American in the history of North American sports to even approach that amount of money, but he is—he's one of a kind. I mean, he is—he's like—I I do think he's going to be a transcendent great. He's going to like everyone's going to remember watching him play. Like the kids growing up right now are going to remember 
him as the face of the NFL and all that jazz. And um, But I don't know. I, I do think that it puts the Chiefs in a brutal position. But he they also just signed Chris Jones to a, a big extension as well. And I was reading an article the other day that said Mahomes texted Chris Jones and told him, that he left some money on the table so that they'd be able to sign him, which I, that just blew me away. I was like, dude, how did you, what do you mean you left money on the table? You're getting paid $500 million. How is that even possible? But I just shows, goes to show their commitment to Mahomes, And um, I do think they're going to be a contender for the next few years. But after that, I think they're going to be in salary cap hell and it's, it's going to be, tough for their fans they're gonna have to watch some some great players maybe hill maybe kelsey i don't know kelsey's getting up there in age but maybe they won't won't be able to maybe they won't be able to keep tyreek down the line but i hope so yeah i just i just don't see how this the current squad they have is sustainable with all the i mean there's that team is just stacked with star power right now and those guys seeing other players get paid that's just gonna it's just gonna entice them to either demand more money or just walk away. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, I think I think that's probably gonna get them in trouble. I, I would give them I would probably give them three or four more years until they're struggling to to be able to to keep I mean, Mahomes is on a what, like a forty five million dollar salary each season. Yeah. And um now they're paying Chris Jones, I think it's like twenty two a season. So, I mean, that's just a huge chunk of your salary cap that yeah, that you're just – you're taking from other players. It's going to be hard to keep that, that squad around him. Yeah, for sure. And Chris Jones is out here talking about how they want to be the next dynasty and how they're, they're not trying to win one or two or three. Or four. Like, he's talking like the, the big three in Miami. And I, what this guy doesn't understand, I think, is – I shouldn't say that. He, they just won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he understands how difficult it is to win one. But, I mean, they barely won. You know what I mean? They, they barely got out of the divisional round. If the, if the Texans make – you remember when the Texans did that fake punt when they were up – I think they were up 24-7. to And they faked the punt, and they didn't get it. And then the Chiefs got an easy touchdown, and then another e- like another easy, then fumbled the opening kickoff, got another touchdown. If they get that fake punt, dude, it's a it's a whole another ball game. You know what I mean? And I tend to do this a lot, where I like certain plays affect the outcome of games so much. But I mean, it's true. So I just can't see them. I could definitely see them going back to back, which is super difficult in a league like the NFL where it hasn't been done since the Pats did it in, what was it, 04, 05? But I don't know about them winning five or six championships, especially in the span, time span that Chris Jones is going to be there. Maybe under Mahomes' career, but I mean, I don't think a defensive end is going to be there for the next 15 years, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I think I'll give I'll give Mahomes two more, two more Super Bowls. One in, I would give him one in the next two years, and then probably one towards the end of his career. But I, I don't see him retiring with more than three. Yeah, I could see him. I could definitely see him getting four or around that number. I just, it's hard for me to see anybody approach Brady six. I but mean, do you guys, do you guys think that Mahomes' his style of play is sustainable? I just, I just, when he gets older, I don't see him being able to throw the ball 40, 50 yards on numerous back-to-back plays. I think, no, I just, I just don't see that that explosiveness sticking around him when he gets a little older. I think, I think it will, to, to be honest. I think it's sustainable yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that someone like Lamar Jackson, his, his won't be sustainable because he uses his legs, but an arm is an arm. I mean, Brady's 42, and, I mean, you can, some people say that he's lost some zip. But I mean, I don't think he he has, and I think that at the end of the day, I mean, he can still throw the ball. I mean, he's going to be able to throw the ball late into his career. I mean, that this guy already does things with his arm that are unreal, and I think that's only going to continue with that arm talent. For sure. 
All right, we we are uh, pro. I think we have passed the hour mark. So, do do you guys want to wrap it up this for this week's yeah. this week's episode? Yeah. Yep. All right. So, if if anybody is still an hour deep listening to this, <laughs> uh, we we just like to let you know that we appreciate you. Um, appreciate the support. Uh, if if there's anything Patriots related that you like us to talk about next week's episode, drop a comment. We're gonna be making an Instagram page soon. So feel free to choose a comment, DM us, or if you let's be real, if you're listening to this, you probably know us personally. So just tell us <laughs> what you'd like us to talk about. But uh, next week we should be covering um, looking into the next season. Yeah, prediction, our predictions to the Pats record for next year, and you know diving deeper into the schedule. Absolutely. So I, this is where we'll part ways. But to all our listeners out there, stay safe. Stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. All right.